visiting either from here within uh, South Florida or out of town. Uh, we're glad that you're here and uh, hope that uh, your time with us will be enjoyable. I guess it was something I said. Um, <laughs> we've got a number of things happening today, and I want to bring them to your attention, and uh, those kids are involved in one of them. Um, we are taking pictures for our pictorial directory, and what they tell me is that the Spanish have showed out really well to get their pictures taken, and the English, not so much. So, if you have not had your picture taken yet, please go by the uh, the school library either before class or after this assembly, and uh, there are some folks there who are ready and willing to take your picture. You can update your information so that we um, have a way to track you down. Uh, and contact you if necessary, but please get your picture taken, and that way we can have an up-to-date um, uh, 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 snapshot of you so that we can identify you. Uh, what the kids were stepping outside to do is to get ready for the car wash. Uh, we are, um, the youth group is doing this to raise funds for their summer activities. Uh, there is a suggested donation of $5. Now, if because of the rain you feel like God has already washed your car, uh, or if you feel like you don't want your car to be washed because it's supposed to rain again, uh, let me suggest that you go ahead and make a donation. If God washed it, then you can give a donation to the uh, youth group, and uh, you can be generous because God's water is a lot healthier than what comes out of the pipe, and uh, and so please support our kids in, in that endeavor. Also this afternoon, um, once a month, the Children's Ministry hosts a picnic for the students and families, and this uh, today it's the third through fifth graders, and so if you're a part of that group, then we invite you back to the the pavilion outside. If it is raining at that particular time, uh, the, the lunch will be held in the, um, in the library. This summer, our summer Bible club is going to be focusing on the wild and crazy life of the jungle. <laughs> and uh, the theme is roar. Uh, let me make a plea if Wednesday nights is not something you normally participate in here at Sunset because of traffic, school, other kinds of things. Hopefully, some of that will ease off these upcoming weeks, and so uh, please make an effort to, to attend. All the adult Bible classes, the English and the Spanish, will be geared toward the same themes that the kids will be talking about, so you'll be able to kind of discuss those with your kids or uh, with your grandkids, and so that'll be every Wednesday evening, 7.30, beginning this Sunday. And then uh, we have a mission trip to Guatemala that we'll be leaving in just a couple weeks. So please uh, look in your bulletin. There's a list of different items that you can bring, you can donate, that will be taken down to Guatemala. Uh, Stephen Johnson, uh, who led communion, is uh, coordinating that group with David and others. And so uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can see him about that. Um, our summer youth interns, we introduced you to our summer children's ministry intern a couple weeks back, but now the summer youth interns have arrived. I want to invite them to come up here and let me introduce you to them and uh, then we can pray for them. Uh, we have Janelle Gardner, who is a native, I think, of Florida, right? Born and raised, yep. Uh, well, yeah, almost Florida, it's Jacksonville. Um, but she is a... Um, uh, uh, going to be a senior this year at UF studying optometry. optometry. I wanted to make sure I got that right. So she'll be studying optometry. She's here. And then next to her is Ariel Perdomo. Uh, Ariel is a going to be a junior studying journalism 
in uh, Tegucigalpa, in Honduras. Uh, he is born and raised there. His English is really, really good. And uh, we are just excited and thrilled to have these young people here with us. I know the youth are excited about it. And uh, I just want to pray for them as they kick off the summer. Uh, so let's pray. Our Father, we're grateful for the way that you have blessed this church with individuals that uh, serve our community. Uh, I pray, Father, for Janelle and for Ariel and for their life and their ministry here this summer. I pray, Father, that you would lead and guide them as they develop their own uh, relationship with you and as they lead and guide our young people. Uh, I pray, Father, for their families and pray that you will continue to watch over them as they uh, think about their careers and their next steps. Uh, during this summer, Father, we're just so grateful they've chosen to be with us. Please watch over and bless them and guide them in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Now, there's some good news and some bad news about this text for today. The bad news. This is one of the more difficult, disturbing, and surprising texts and stories in the New Testament. It's not a nice story. When you hear this story and we read through it, if you don't squirm just a little bit, if you don't scratch your head, then you might not be getting it. What you're going to see, what we're going to see, is that Jesus is not very cozy and comfortable all the time. He calls us to a life that is way beyond our own ability to live. But there is some good news. The good news is that God is on our side. And while he recognizes this is a process we need to go through, we don't go through it alone. We go, it with, we go through it with his presence and also with the presence of one another. So I'm going to read the text. I invite you to listen, and then we'll kind of walk through it and then uh, uh, kind of clarify some things as we go. This is from the book of Mark. And the scripture says, As Jesus started on his way, a man came up to him, ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them. And said, with man, with humans, this is impossible, not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, 
We've left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times this in the present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers and children and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. I kind of agree with Mark Twain uh, on texts like this. Mark Twain said, It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. You see, this text is pretty clear. And, believe it or not, I'm one of the rich ones. And so are you. If you type in your, your, your income in an online calculator, you can determine your wealth against the wealth of the world. If you make $25,000 a year, which is way below a livable wage in Miami, right? If you make $25,000 a year, you are in the 98th percentile of the world's wealth. Only 2% of the world, with $25,000 a year, only 2% of the world make more than you. We're all filthy rich. And so, this text makes me uncomfortable. And the other reason that makes me uncomfortable is that, I mean, I like to think of myself and all of you as fairly decent people. I mean, we don't go around bragging about it, but deep down, if God divided the world into two groups, good people and bad people, we'd be on the good people side, right? I mean, we follow the rules, we go to church, we're nice to people, most of us don't murder We take care of our kids, we give money away, we don't shoplift, we like to try and recycle, we volunteer. I mean, we've got our problems and our issues, but for the most part, we're decent people. Just like this guy. So so as we walk through the text, we're going to look at some things that might be disturbing. But at the same time, hopefully when we end up, we'll see that this is a journey that Jesus has invited us on. Now, remember, as I mentioned last week, this section of Mark is dealing with some pretty hard things to hear and to live with. Jesus raises the bar on our lifestyle and our relationships in ways that is really challenging. And today is no different Uh, What we're learning is when Jesus invites us to follow him, this isn't a stroll through the park or this isn't a walk along the beach with a sunset. This is excruciatingly difficult to the point where you might think, I can't do this. Now, Mark tells us a couple things about this man. One, he was running People in the ancient world didn't run often, and especially if you had some sort of status, you didn't run. This man ran. Second thing, he fell on his knees before Jesus, which, again, is something that you wouldn't typically see in public. 
The third thing is he calls Jesus good. We don't know whether he was using a little bit of flattery, but it's possible. And then later on in the text, Mark tells us that he was wealthy. So you have this wealthy man running and throws himself at Jesus' feet. And we get the impression that he's just a really good guy. He's followed the rules. He's done what he needed to do. He's eager, enthusiastic. He's sincere. Jesus kind of throws him a curve with this whole, said, wait a second, why are you calling me good, which doesn't explain. God is good, but Jesus is God, so in a sense, he was good. And then he says, well, you know what the commandments are, right? Don't murder, and so on, adultery, steal. And then the man says, you know, I've been doing those since I was a kid. This is the kind of guy that if they showed up at sunset, if he showed up at sunset, we would welcome with open arms. Man, you're the kind of person we would love to have here. First, wealthy. That's a joke. (laughs) Not really. Um, (laughs) But their lifestyle, the personality, this is a good person. Jesus is about to complicate his life big time. Before he does, Mark tells us that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, this word looked in Greek is actually a compound word that's like really, really hard. It's a kind of look that goes beyond the superficial and goes to your heart. Jesus is looking into his soul. And even with what he sees there, Jesus loves him. You know, I think one of our fears about confessing our sins to one another is because our fear is, if you really knew what I had in my heart, you wouldn't like me anymore. If you really knew the doubts or the struggles, then I might not have any friends. Well, God looks deep inside our hearts. He can see through all of our pretense and all the things we do to cover up our faults. And he still loves us. He sees what many of us can never see. And as he loves this man, he realizes There's one more thing. Now, when the man hears, there's one more thing, I can imagine him thinking, ooh, good, one more command and I'm good. Easy peasy. Let me have it and let's move on. And what is the one command? (laughs) Go, sell everything you have, give to the poor, come, And follow me. Five commands, five imperatives. It's a lot for one thing, right? Doesn't seem like one thing. But the man realized that it was one thing too many. The man's face fell, and he walked away sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus emphasizes how difficult it is for the rich to get into heaven. 
See, when I see that verse, I think of the rich that, you know, live on Fisher Island, Star Island, or, or one of the Hibiscus Island, or whatever those islands are over there. I, I think of people that live in these billion-dollar mansions. I think of the really rich. But remember, in the world, my $25,000 a year puts me in the 98th percentile. How hard it is for a guy like me to get to heaven. And then automatically I'm thinking, wow, man, I don't want to sell everything. I don't want to give everything away. I mean... And then I remember, hey, Jesus talked to a rich guy named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus only had to give half of his stuff away. I want to be like Zacchaeus. But the point of all this is that Jesus isn't after our money. He's after us. And whatever it is that stands in the way of him getting us is that one thing. So as Jesus begins to deal with his disciples about this, as they start muttering and wondering, man, if the rich can't get in, then I'm, I'm toast. He says it's hard to enter the kingdom of God. And then he mentions this camel in the eye of a needle, which is so absurd. He was using the largest animal that was around in those parts and the smallest thing that he can think of. About 800 years later, people said, well, he wasn't really talking about a camel and the needle. He was talking about this gate where you had to kind of bend down low to get through. Well, it was 800 years later that they came up with that gate. I think Jesus was talking about a camel and a needle. And I think what he's saying is following Jesus is as close to humanly impossible as you can get. It's going to take everything you have. By your own power, strength, and ability, you'll never make it. But with God's supernatural power, you will be able to overcome, and you will be able to follow Jesus as he expects. Now, as Peter's listing this, he's thinking, wait a second, we, we did that. We, we left everything. And so he points out, hey, we've done all that. And Jesus agrees. And says, if you've given up home property, if you've given up family, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or if you've given up fields, which is your livelihood, your income, basically the three things that you have to support yourself, uh, you have the property that you were raised on that you will inherit, you've got the family to help you out, and then you have whatever job you might have. If you've left those for the sake of the kingdom, then you will receive that and much more. If you want to follow me, you've got to set aside your support systems and trust that I will support you, says Jesus. And that's not easy. That's not easy for anybody. New Christian, old Christian, Someone who's been doing this for a long time. You know, at my stage in life, I think that I should be able to make these changes and these adjustments and this faith deeper. What I find is that 
it's not as easy now as it's just as hard as it was then when we left home and family and moved to Argentina, raised family, then we moved back. Following Jesus isn't that easy. Now, to help us understand what was going on here, uh, you have a slide of the Ten Commandments, okay? Two tablets, typically, you might have thought of them five and five, but uh, uh, most people think you had four on one and six on the other. And so, as Jesus kind of rehearses these commands, in the mind of the man, he's ticking them off. He's going, okay, let's see. Uh, Don't murder? Yep, got that one. Uh, We're good. Uh, uh, Don't commit adultery? Yep, good. Uh, Don't steal? Okay, yeah, haven't done that. Uh, uh, don't lie or don't bear false witness. Yep, yep, we're good. Uh, don't be jealous. Uh, don't covet. Uh, Jesus inserts defraud, which might be a combination of a couple, but um, but the man's, okay, we're on good good footing there, and honor your parents, mother and father. All right, done. Easy peasy. But, but when you lay it out like this, you realize, wait a second, there's a whole bunch of commands that that didn't get really mentioned. Only one God, no other gods but God. No carved images. Don't use, misuse God's name. Observe God's day, the Sabbath. See, the man was living really well in a relationship with other people. But evidently there was some empty place in his relationship with God. And that's what Jesus kind of wants to highlight He had built up a nice life with doing the right thing on the outside. But his support system was not God. His support system was money, wealth, possessions. And so Jesus brings this up. Now, I've used this kind of list to help people work through priorities. God should be at the top, and then family and friends and work, and sometimes work bumps itself up a little higher. You know, possessions should kind of... And I've taught this at different points. I was working through some material by Francis Chan uh, in these last couple weeks, getting ready for a seminar I'll be doing. And Francis says, yeah, this isn't really what God is saying. Because God's just not... Even if I make him the the top of my list, I tend to say God's kind of like, yeah, just part of the list. What what Francis says is, in fact, if there was room on the slide, there'd be even more distance and more space. Like God is in a class way and above all to himself. And then everything else is kind of lumped together in a secondary role. And that's what was happening with this man. I'm sure... If you would have asked him, he would have said, yes, I love God. Yes, I respect God. Yes, I honor God. But his life was more like what you have here in this list and what Jesus is suggesting. Yeah, this is kind of what I'm looking for. This is kind of what I'm looking for. C.S. Lewis said that following Jesus was like going to the dentist with a toothache. What you want the dentist to do is just stop the pain, deal with the specific tooth. What the dentist wants to do is to fix your mouth (laughs) and fix all of your teeth and make sure your jaw and your gums and everything are healthy. 
Dozens of people, says Lewis, go to him to be cured of one particular sin of which they are ashamed, which is obviously spoiling their day. And Jesus and God will cure it, but he will not stop there. That may be all you asked for, but once you call him in, and once you begin following him, he'll give you the full treatment. Because Jesus doesn't want our money. He wants us. Money might be what's standing in the way. He wants to do this entire overhaul, beginning from the inside out. What we want to do is just make some minor superficial changes and call it good. So, so this morning, you might have come to sunset, eager, enthusiastic, looking for eternal life. And this morning, Jesus has looked deep into your soul, and he has loved you. And then he says, you're lacking one thing. What, what would Jesus say is your one thing? It's not going to be the same for all of us. It might be wealth or possessions. What is that thing that you said out loud or in your head? If I can't have this, my life is over. What is that one thing that means more to you than life itself? What is it that you would put in the, I live for blank? It might be some sort of physical attribute or ability. It might be a lifestyle. It might be children, grandchildren. It might be an addiction when I think of what dominates my life and what is it that I cannot live without? For some of our students and younger people, it might be Wi-Fi or Internet or smartphones. In one of the places we lived um, and ministered, there was a young man that was just a really good kid. And he was the son of good Christian family. He was the place kicker on his high school football team. One fourth of July, he and a whole bunch of other kids from our youth group were just out being kids, lighting off bottle rockets. Well, bottle rockets are designed to go up unless you point them at someone else. One of those bottle rockets went into his eye. He lost his eye. Well, many people encouraged him and said... It's not the end of the world. It's just an eye. But what he realized was, in order to, to be a kicker, you, you have to have that depth of field that you can only have if you have two eyes. And so after living and struggling and moving and starting over with his family in a different city where no one knew him and he showed up as this individual with this particular limitation... He decided that he couldn't continue with that life anymore, and he decided to end his life. And obviously there were a lot of factors with depression and struggle, but it all came down to, if I can't play football, 
then my life as I know it has no meaning. And and, and that's so tragic for a young man that we all felt had so much potential, but he just went deeper and deeper into that rabbit hole until he convinced himself, and I think with some help from the evil one, that his life was over. Well, I, I don't know where you are today, but if you're facing something like that in your life, don't walk away. Don't give up. The man walked away from Jesus, and in one of the few recorded instances where someone to Jesus' face said, No thanks. Because you see, it is hard. It is humanly impossible. But Jesus makes clear, with God, all things are possible. Now, it's not going to look like what you want. It might not feel like how you like. It might not be how you have it played out in your mind. But God will surround you with people. And God will help you on this path. See, every one of us who are walking on this path, it's but for the grace of God. None of us are here because we're all that. Every single one of us are just struggling to put one foot in front of the other to follow Jesus. And every step we say, Jesus, this is so hard. And Jesus looks deep into our soul. He loves us and says, yeah, I know. But you can do this. I've surrounded, with, I've surrounded you with people who are also struggling. Don't ever think that you're alone. Jesus promises that if family or situations or circumstances lead you to feel like you're alone, first, God is with us, but then we are here. But it's hard to be honest and transparent, isn't it? Because we see it as weakness. But let me just say as... What Paul said as he was dealing with people, (laughs) I'm the chief of sinners. And there's not a single person here who is following Jesus that thinks, one, it's easy, two, that they're doing it on their own. So you're in good company. You're in the company of God's people. Whatever that one thing is that Jesus is asking you today, we would ask you to, in faith, follow him. Whatever it is, whatever it takes. If we can help you, we would love to do so. You can make your way to the front, and we'd be glad to pray with you. Let's stand.